In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this morning I bring you greetings from your siblings, your fellow Episcopalians at the Church of the Advocate across the Triangle in Chapel Hill. Um, I am one of the many who have for years looked to this congregation, looked to you and to your leaders for inspiration, for, for witness, for an example of how we can be church today. And I am so grateful and honored um, to be here with you this Sunday morning. You know, if those last two verses we heard from John's gospel, John 3.16 and John 3.17, We're not Bible verses, but siblings. We know which would be the favorite child. We know that one would be the one that the Christmas letter was all about. And the other one would just sort of get a passing mention. If instead of Bible verses, John 3.16 and John 3.17 were, let's say, actors in Hollywood, one of them has a better agent. Because John 3.16 gets the big roles, and John 3.17 gets the bit parts. One more. If they weren't Bible verses, but instead the Duke Carolina game? Okay, maybe that's a bridge too far. It's Sunday morning. No, let's just be clear. If they were the Duke Carolina game, one of them gets carried in on a sign, and one of them can't even make it into the parking lot of the Dean Dome. John 3.16, the point, of course, is that for as long as many of us can remember, John 3.16 has overshadowed its neighbor. For God so loved the world that God sent the Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but you could finish it with me, have eternal life. The words of John 3.16 have served as a kind of shorthand across all of these years, a simple, central, memorable summation of the gospel, so much so that they're ubiquitous. You walk into a store, they're on a pillow. You walk into a home, you see them painted on a sign. You, you see them everywhere. They're etched on bracelets and rings. You see John 3.16 as shorthand. We don't even have to say the whole thing. You go to a stadium, and there's a sign across the field. Somebody, John 3, 16. This morning, I want to suggest to you, though, that if we know, if all we know, if all we focus on is John three sixteen, then we will find ourselves with a rather incomplete sense of the good news. Let's go back. St. John tells us that a certain man named Nicodemus has come to Jesus by night to ask him some questions. He's come searching for something. It's little wonder he came by night. Nicodemus was a religious teacher who was supposed to not have questions, but supposed to have answers. He was supposed to have certainty, conviction, commitment, clarity. But what he had seen in Jesus... Signs and wonders, what he had heard him teach, had raised for him all of these questions about what this all meant. And so Nicodemus, under the cover of darkness, comes to Jesus and asks him new questions. 
He comes wrestling with new ideas and new possibilities, things he had never considered before. We might say that his theological imagination is opening up. He has a different vision of God in these moments. But as soon as Nicodemus starts talking, Jesus takes over the conversation and changes it. He starts talking in strange ways about being born again or born from above, as some translations put it. Jesus says that no one can glimpse the kingdom of heaven without that. And now Nicodemus is really confused. He's kind of a literal guy. And this seems really confusing. He even asks... So what, you re-entered the womb? How does that work? And Jesus, Jesus sees Nicodemus' confusion. And he changes the topic. The wind blows where it will. And you cannot see where it's coming from or where it is going. And that's like the Spirit of God moving through the world. It shows up in people and places that you never expected for the Spirit of God to show up. It shows up in surprising places. You with your rules and regulations, Nicodemus. You with your processes and procedures. You're going to be a little bit frustrated. Because you can't map it. You can't graph it. The wind shows up sometimes where it will. And that's the spirit of God at work in the world. And it doesn't necessarily fit in your tidy, neat boxes. Well, well, so Nicodemus is left with that. And his question really still hasn't changed. How can this be, he asks. And Jesus basically tells him that the answer will be forever beyond him. That's not really satisfying, is it? That's not really the kind of thing you hope God says to you when you have a question. It's not really consoling that when you have a serious wonder, you go and you knock against the doors of heaven, and what are you met with? You're never going to understand it. But then Jesus ends with this. For God so loved the world. As if the point is not really to understand. The point instead is to embrace this mystery. To step into this space where all we know is love. Where all we find is love. Where all we, we discover over time is a God who is quite literally dying to be in relationship with us. That's the mystery of John 3.16. But Jesus also keeps going. It is not enough for God so loved the world that God gave the Son to the world that whoever believes might have eternal life. That's John 3.16. But then in 3.17, he says this. You heard it a minute ago. God did not send the Son to condemn the world, but instead that the world might be transformed, healed, saved, delivered because of him. So, so here's the problem with the throw pillow. If you have the John 3.16 throw pillow. Here's the problem. It can sound awfully individualistic. My faith, 
my eternal life. It can sound awfully transactional. If I believe, then I receive. It can sound concerned only about some sweet by and by. But if we put John 3.16 next to John 3.17, what we find is it's not just about your faith or my faith. It's about the hope of the world. It's not just about what you believe or what I believe. It's about the fact that we believe together. If we put John 3.16 and John 3.17 together, what we find is that the good news is both about a promised future and a transformed world here. What we find is a God who not only promises tomorrow, but who says that this world can be healed. If we put the two together, we hear that God does not send Christ to the world out of judgment or to condemn us, but instead because God loves us enough to pursue us to the end. To pursue us and to find us and to remake us in love so that we might be people of love who can then go out and remake the world in partnership with the Spirit of God. That's the gift of putting 316 and 317 together. Now, the interesting part. John does not tell us what Nicodemus says back. Finally, Nicodemus may have just gone away, just frustrated. I'm unsure what to do with this, but there it is. And so Nicodemus leaves. In some ways, it doesn't matter what Nicodemus thought at that point. It matters what you do. It matters what you think at this point. What do you do with this knowledge? That it's about you and me And us together? That it's about a world that God wants to see remade? And a future heaven? That it's about a God who will not rest at anything to bring us home? Next time you see John 3.16, you may just want to say, keep reading. You got half the story. Amen. Amen.